So one of the most painful things as a young lawyer is learning how to do tasks efficiently and effectively within the available time that you have to do it. In a previous video, I have spoken about the idea of ensuring that you have allocated timeframes to the tasks that you are actually attempting to do and the benefits of why you might do that. So if you haven't seen that, go and have a watch or a listen to that first before you move into this one, where we talk a little bit about selecting what is actually to be done within that time frame. My name is Chris Hargraves, I'm from tipsforlawyers.com where we help young lawyers develop practical skills that are actually going to help them become more effective lawyers in their careers. Time management in particular is something that is not the easiest thing to pick up. And truthfully, we haven't learnt very much about it in law school, at least not in a commercial operational context. And so it can be difficult. And often we find that we spend more time on a given task than either one, we thought we should, two, other people thought we should, or three was actually allocated to us for the given task. And it is not simply an answer to say, well, that's okay, because I stayed back late after normal hours. Because firstly, that's not a thing you want to become normal. Oh, I'll just spend three or four hours at the end of the workday every single day because I haven't got the work done during that day. That's not an excellent habit to develop. I realize that it is normal in some areas of the law, but I'm not convinced that it necessarily should be. And the way we can start to get around that as a poor solution for a number of reasons that I spoke about in the previous session is to start to do our work more effectively and more efficiently. Now, obviously, as you become more senior, you have done things more times, that will become easier in the sense that you will be able to do tasks faster. But that doesn't change the underlying basics that giving yourself relevant time periods and working effectively, no matter how quickly you can get a task done, is still a beneficial thing to do. So these skills should carry on from the beginning of your career through to the end. It's just that the specifics of how they're executed might change. So in this video, with that somewhat long introduction, we are going to talk about actually determining the tasks that you should be doing in the allotted time. I spoke about giving yourself a portion of time, or perhaps you have been given a portion of time in the delegation process. You've been given two hours or three hours or five hours or a day or whatever it is to do a given task. The next thing you need to figure out is of course, what should I be doing in that available time? And that's not always easy. And to some extent, it depends upon the style of delegation that your uh, supervisors or senior lawyers are using with you. Because on the scale, we have people who give you incredibly detailed granular instructions and expect you to come back to them multiple times with small chunks or little, bit, uh, little bitty tidbits of information. So they might say, find this section, print it out, come back to me, we'll talk about it. Do some research on this section, find the top three cases, summarize them, come back, we'll talk about what to do next, okay? That sometimes happens, some people delegate in that way. On the other end of the spectrum, we have read this, tell me what we should do next, okay? Or my favorite, action this. That was always a good one. So 
We have this spectrum of possible delegation. Over here, you're not gonna have a lot of trouble determining what you're going to do next because you've literally been told what to do next. And while you might find that irritating and micromanagement, it does at least make this part of the job somewhat easier because you don't need to exercise any independent thought of any kind. More often than not, of course, in the real world, it's somewhere in between those things. You have been given a task, you have been given a certain amount of information, but not necessarily all the information in terms of what you should be doing. Perhaps it's a research task, perhaps you've been asked to determine the elements of a cause of action, perhaps you've been asked to investigate what causes of action might be available, draft a letter, do a few different things that might involve different components of actually completing the task at hand. So we're more talking about those sorts of things in this particular assessment. The first thing I want to stress, and for the love of everything, I cannot stress this enough. If you have been given a task by someone, understand the task that you have been given. If you have been sent an email, read the email, okay? It happens far too often that someone skims what they have been asked to do and delivers something that is not on point. Maybe it's not the product that was requested. Maybe you do a file note instead of just coming to speak to someone. Maybe you answer a question that wasn't actually being asked because you misunderstood. Maybe you do half the job rather than the whole job. Whatever it is, read it and at the very least understand what is being asked of you. Now, at this point, humanity comes into play. Senior lawyers sometimes don't fully express things in ways that make sense to you. Maybe they thought it made sense, but maybe it doesn't make sense to you. Maybe you have been given an email or had a meeting with them where you were delegated this task and you don't fully understand what it is you've been asked to do or the parameters of it. It's a good habit to get into, if at all humanly possible, to ask and clarify. Maybe it's reading back, hey, so I just wanted to check, you want me to do one, two, three on these topics, is that correct? Get that affirmation so that you understand and they understand that you know what you're doing, and then that is a good place to start. Sometimes, unfortunately, senior lawyers either become unavailable or in less common circumstances, but still some, they are unapproachable. Okay, this happens. You might just need to figure it out yourself as so far as you can based on what you understand of the matter. Maybe you need to do a little bit of investigation into the matter to understand the context so you have a better appreciation for what you're doing, but be careful about that for the reasons that I'm about to discuss shortly. So first and foremost, you have to understand what it is you've been asked to do because if you are working efficiently, you are doing what you've been asked to do. The time you spend on things that are not progressing what you've been asked to do is by definition not efficient. It is wasted time unless it is absolutely necessary to progress you through what needs to happen in order for you to accomplish the task that you have been asked to work upon, okay? That hopefully should be self-evident, but it is not always, sometimes, in our zeal to do things quickly and our desire to look like we have understood a task even though we didn't quite get it and we just thought we could figure it out as we went, we waste time because we didn't really grasp what was being asked of us. Okay, so it's important to understand the task. Next relates to 
chasing down rabbit holes. Now, this tends to come up in maybe more airy-fairy tasks. Maybe the, the senior lawyer doesn't necessarily understand precisely what it is they want you to look at because it's a novel area of law or something they're not that experienced in. Uh, and maybe they've given you a sort of broader task. So this is something that I did and it's something that most junior lawyers do, which is you chase down dry gullies. Now, part of the challenge there is you don't recognize their dry gullies necessarily because you don't have the experience yet to go, hang on, I'm following this thing through this windy passage that's going to take me hours that seems like it might be okay, but when push comes to shove, it's actually some super, super rare thing that is almost never done and you're kind of just wasting time. Okay, so you need to be wary of chasing down dry gullies, even if you have a relatively broad scope. What I would suggest, and this is horses for courses, okay? You need to use a degree of wisdom and decision-making and, and practicality as you go, because that's part of your job. But what I would suggest is one of two things. If you're starting to get the sense that you are spending too much time and it's just not quite coming together on a given topic. Maybe you have been given a task to say, okay, here is a set of facts. What causes of action might we have available to sue person X on behalf of our client? And you're hunting around and you've covered the usual ones, you know, breach of contract, uh, breach of duty, maybe a couple of others here and there. Okay, you've done all the usual stuff. And now you're into some obscure sort of ancient tort that still exists in the state in which you live, but has been abolished everywhere else. And you're trying to get to the bottom of that, but the most recent case on it was from 1921, and there's been no commentary on it ever since. And you think, this kind of sounds like it's interesting, but being interested in something is not a good reason to spend other people's money on it. So here's what I'm gonna suggest. You, you're in this situation, you found this thing, one of two things. If you're doing a memo, which is a common output that you would be requested to do, mention it. Mention that you put the brakes on because it seems like it was a bit obscure, but you are happy to investigate it further if they want you to. But otherwise you went back to focusing on the main game, which is probably what you should do. So you can do that. You can ask them if they're around and accessible, if you should be pursuing that more. Hey, I found this thing. Have you ever heard of it? Do we look forward, uh, forward into that? Do we look more into it? Do you want me to keep going? Do you not want me to keep going? I've spent this amount of time on it so far. What you might find is that what you've found is actually known to the person or someone in the office and that they know it's a no-go and you shouldn't bother spending any more time on it, okay? We're not reinventing the wheel. You work with a group of people who have differing experience in other areas. So if you have the opportunity to ask, you will cut off that opportunity to waste hours of time on something where they just go, yeah, nah, nah, we're not doing that. Toss that in the bin, sorry. And we're going back to our breach of contract case, which you'd finished hours earlier. And so in the process of chasing down that dry gully, you've kind of wasted a bunch of everyone's time, okay? So if at all possible, at least, draw the line as soon as you have this inkling that that's what it might be. If it's something you never really heard of in law school, that's probably a good start. But if it's a general question, you've exhausted the most common things, you're into this sort of territory that's a little bit unknown, consider parking it pending further input from your senior lawyers, okay? That's that one. 
The next one then, so we've done read the task and understand what you're doing. What you're doing. We've done ensure that you're not chasing down dry gullies and wasting time. The third one is this. Don't answer questions that the senior person didn't ask you to answer, at least not necessarily. This is a little bit of a tricky one. It is a trick question and this is a difficult career. So, you know, you picked it, so it's on you really. So here's a situation. You've been given a task, they say, please tell me the answer to X. And you think, okay, I don't know a lot about X. So you do a bit of reading about X. And while you're reading about X, you see that there's A, B, and C. And so in your memo, you go, hey, here's X, A, B, and C, please see memo. And I get your memo and I go, well, hang on. I already know A, B, and C. You didn't need to spend time writing a memo. I don't think you needed to spend time reading about it to answer the question of X. So why are you giving a memo to me about A, B, and C? Okay, I knew that. I didn't ask you to do that. I didn't want you to do that. Who's paying for that to happen? And the answer is the firm is paying for that to happen probably because your time to do that will almost certainly be written off if it was wasted and your firm is billing appropriately. So you need to be careful about spending time just because something's interesting to you or because you think maybe it might supplement the answer. Now, this is why it's careful. Sometimes those things are useful. Sometimes they are not. And this is a little bit of a juggling act. Again, as is almost always the case, the best thing you can do, if at all possible, is ask, hey, did you also want me to do these things? Look into A, B, and C. They might say, no, I got A, B, and C covered. We did that already. Don't worry about it. Stick to X. If, for example, and this is a ridiculous example and has never occurred in real life, I say to you, could you please look up the current filing fee for a claim and statement of claim in the district court for a company? And you go, no worries, I'll be back in a jiffy. And when you come back, you go, Chris, 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 I've found the filing fee. It is this many dollars. And in addition, I found that you need to file a claim in this form and a statement of claim in this form. And on those, I spent some time researching and here's how you're supposed to fill out those forms and in the footer of the first page of the form, you're supposed to do this. And also each page number needs to be numbered because I looked into the Uniform Civil Procedure Rules and the associated notes and I found some cases and you're supposed to page number things if you can at the bottom, if at all possible. Um, so I spent a little bit more time than the five minutes you asked, but I, I recorded two and a half hours. I know it took a bit longer, but hopefully, Hopefully that's helpful with that additional information. And that was a bad choice uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, I already knew all that stuff. Now you didn't know I knew that stuff. So in a sense, you're being helpful and I laud you for being helpful because helpful is good, but it wasn't appropriate initiative because that's the kind of thing you should have asked about on a straightforward task that should take five minutes. If it blows out because of these extraneous things of you being helpful, in a sense, I understand it. In another sense, you're wasting time and money, okay? I know that sounds a little bit brutal because we all wanna be helpful and we all wanna go above and beyond, but this question of appropriate initiative is something you need to work on finding a balance on because initiative can be good. 
okay? If you're asked to finalize a letter and send it out and you spot an obvious typo, fixing that typo is good. That is appropriate initiative. If you read the letter and decide, oh, I could rephrase a few of these paragraphs, that is probably going beyond where you should. One, because you have no clue usually why they were phrased the way they were phrased. Maybe your way is better, but maybe it's not. And it's probably not your call unless your name and signature's at the bottom of it. So there is this real balancing act with appropriate initiative. Communication is by far the best answer to all of these things, but if you are going to time bind yourself, as I've suggested, and give yourself a limited amount of time for a task, and then for the subtasks that need to be completed in order to do that, you need to be sharp on these three topics, okay? You need to understand actually what you're doing in the task. You need to not chase down dry gullies as much as humanly possible, okay? Try and start to recognize when that is happening and draw a line and seek input and seek informed input. Hey, this is gonna blow out the time by this much. This is gonna take me across to tomorrow instead of finishing it today. Give informed input to the people who are waiting on the outcome of this task, if possible. And of course, don't answer questions that weren't put to you unless you determine it is mandatory to answer those questions to get to the end product. Sometimes it is, sometimes people haven't thought about it, but sometimes it is not. If you have an idea, if you come up with something, this is a good thing. Just ask, hey, in the research, if you're doing a memo again at the end, some things I came across along the way but didn't explore in this memo. One, two, three, four, five, happy to check into them or discuss further, okay? If you've made those decisions, capture the information, capture the thought, show the initiative, ask the questions, but don't necessarily do so in a way that blows out the budget or the time commitment because there are ripple effects when you go over budget and over time. There are client effects if you deliver something late because instead of finishing at midday, you finished at five and then someone doesn't have time to review it and get it out the door before the end of the day. And they promised the client it would be due by the end of the day, but they can't do that now because you found something interesting, but not the thing they asked you to look for, okay? It does have ripple effects and you need to be conscious of that. But otherwise, initiative is good. Appropriate initiative is particularly good, but be wary of spending time and money if you don't have to. Those are my three tips for selecting what you actually have to do, and I guess as importantly, selecting things that you shouldn't be doing if you're going to effectively time limit the tasks that you have been given to perform. I'll see you next time.